Welcome back to the Locker Room Podcast, podcast number 46. We've got our own Stevie Poacher on the show today. We've also got special guest Tomas O'Shea to review the Mayo Dublin game. Uh, but before we sink our teeth into that, a uh, huge thanks to our sponsors, Ripped, for supporting this podcast. Uh, Ripped's digital platform provides coaches with everything they need to optimize athlete performance. Head over to ripped.app for more info. Uh, lads, loads of talking points uh, about the game. You could spend a while here. We haven't got too long, though. Um, Tomas, I'll, I'll turn to you first. What a game. What a finish. Now that you've had a wee bit of time sort of to, to digest the game, what, what were your general thoughts on the game? Uh, my general thoughts, I suppose, is that it is the end of an era. We always thought that the Dubs were on the, on the win and that they're big-time players. I suppose the, the players that they lost and I suppose that the players coming in weren't of the same, I suppose, quality. But there was still, I still felt that they were still capable of beating what was there in terms of what was left in Ireland. Um, and I think in the Leinster Championship, who was going along, I mean, they didn't have to be at 100%, but I thought yesterday you would see them or on Saturday that you'd see them at 100%, and it just didn't. In that first half, everything was coasting. Everything was good. The Mayo dropped a man, and that pressure, they didn't seem to want to engage Dubs out around the middle of the field, and... Jeez, was a completely. I could not. I could not see any way back for Mayo because if you had told me at halftime that there would be extra time and that Dublin would only score four points in total in the second half and in all of extra times, that's that's over 55, 50 minutes, like sixty minutes nearly. I would have told you not not a hope. Uh, and if you had also told me that Mayo wouldn't score a goal, I'd say not a hope. Uh, so what Mayo did was, was phenomenal. Like the, the, the pressure, they had so many turnovers in the first half and they weren't putting on pressure. And in the second half, everything they shot went over, the big ones. Uh, early on, they had a couple of mistakes, all right. But the big shots went over the bar. Their subs worked and they turned Dublin over ridiculously and Dublin didn't have an answer for them. I thought Henley was outstanding. So it was a huge day for, for Mayo. And I, I said it like, I thought it was fitting that it was Mayo that turn Dublin over because Mayo have knocked on Dublin's door more than anybody have uh, but it was some performance I, I just couldn't see it was a crazy crazy game of football and you, you mentioned Dublin's Dublin dominated in the first half there Tomas they kept possession you know their middle third press you talked about ferocious pressure on Mayo they were leading by 10-4 at half time there were no signs that, that this was going to happen none uh, I think it was Conor Loftus that got a point towards the end of the first half uh, but it was savage, the tackling by Dublin. I, just, I mentioned, geez, I was looking at it like, and it, it was just ferocious. They were just hungry and they were unbelievably um, putting Mayo under pressure. Mayo had so many balls turned over up the other end uh, and everything was going wrong for them. They were missing simple, Aidan O'Shea missed a simple mark. There was nothing at all going right for them. But it just goes to show you, like, uh, they don't panic and... It, James Horn, I don't know what they say or how they deal with it or what kind of dynamic they have in terms of who drives the whole thing inside there. You don't see James Horn getting animated. No, he got animated with the John Small incident. But you don't see him getting animated or even in the water breaks. 
Um, you know, it's phenomenal the way they have that hunger. They're a second, like, they, they weren't renowned as a second-half team. You can't say that up until this year, possibly. They came out against um, Galway in the second half, and they came out against Dublin in the second half and completely turned them upside down. So, I tell you, as I was talking to a fella today, I thought I was handy enough at predicting things. I, I, I can't predict any. The last four, you have the, say, you take it from last year, and you had Cavan, you had Tipperary, you had Dublin, you had May, and it was easy enough to predict who was going to do what. But in the semi-finals you have at the moment, like it's very hard to predict anything because um, fellas are turning things on their head. And I, I, nobody, I don't care, the fellas who were talking in the media today or whatever yesterday, there's no way anybody could tell me that they could see Dublin being beaten at halftime. Moss, yeah, you, you mentioned that there. You said in the Irish Independent that the Dubs, you acknowledge that, you know, they might be a bit vulnerable, but they're also cold-blooded and streetwise. And you said, do you think Brian Fenton and Con O'Callaghan have it in them to lift their form half a dozen notches now? It didn't happen. It didn't happen, didn't it now? Well, I thought Fenton, Fenton had a better game. Fenton had his best game of the season, right? Now, Rowan fired into it in the second half. But Con, I know he got a point. Con was quite. But if you look, Joe, I suppose their strength, always their strength is like, Oshin Mullen was a huge loss. But Jesus Christ, if you have if you have Keegan and O'Hora and Durkin and Cohen, McLaughlin while he was there, geez, they have this type of a player who can do a job. And I suppose it's reflective of the rest of the... Costello was very, very quiet. Scully was very, very quiet. Um, uh, Small was, yeah, kicked two points, but was very, very quiet. So if you also had... Uh, Stevie, Stevie, I'll bring you in. Uh, Thomas was just cut out there for it. Stevie, what were your uh, what were your thoughts on the game? Well, I agree with a lot of what Tomas has said there. I actually agree with all of it. And, you know, as he talked about it as well, the, the astonishing thing was that Dublin scoring 14 points. Now, I think, Joe, before, uh, when we were talking about Dublin and we were talking about the eventual dethroning of Dublin and when it would happen, I thought it was going to take 22 or 23 points, Joe. You know, to actually dethrone them, uh, because to be honest with you, you know, to, to see a team actually get to extra time on on thirteen points against Dublin is is just it's actually unheard of, like it's unheard of, you know. So, like the warning signs, Tomas Tomas rightly pointed out earlier on, the warning signs were obviously there in Leinster. They played three games in Leinster. They played Wexford. They scored fifteen points against Wexford. Seven free kicks that day against Wexford. They never scored a goal against Wexford, who were in Division 4, and they were shipping goals for fun in Division 4. They then played Meath. Meath scored a goal against them, a Dublin team who never conceded a goal the whole of last year, you know, and like 113. And then Kildare in the semi-final got a goal against them as well. Could have got another couple of goals. Dublin never scored a goal. But then to see Dublin score 13 points, it was just it's just unheard of. And I was saying to Mass there just a couple of seconds ago, I actually felt for Dublin to be dethroned. It was going to take a carry type performance of like maybe like a, a 218 or a or a 119 or, or 22, 23 points to actually dethrone them. You know, I didn't see 13 points being enough to take Dublin to extra time. But listen, Joe, there was warning signs in Leinster, in my honest opinion. I think there was a lot of warning signs. Their scoring efficiency this year has dropped dramatically. And without getting into science and data, but a lot of Dublin's play is based around science and data. And it was Marty Clark actually said this to me, and it was a very valid point. He says, Stevie, they're the best team in the country but they're actually the most predictable because they'll never shoot outside the cordon, uh, Tomas. You know, they'll always try and work yeah. that scoring opportunity. You know, they're not taking these. And I would love to have actually seen them 
being a bit bolder, a bit more high risk. Owen Merkin looked up a couple of times on Saturday in the first half or the second half in particular. Like the shot was probably on. You know, a Kerry will take that shot on, a May will take that shot on, that sort of high risk shot. And one of the things I looked at, Joe, was their turnover count. Tomas touched on it. They were turned over 26 times in the game. Like that is absolutely phenomenal for Dublin. Like 26 times in a game. Like if that happened in the lower, if that happened in a Division Three or Division Four side, you'd be asking questions like, you know, why are we turned over 26 times in a game? You know, so, and, and the one biggest thing for me that has always been standout about Dublin is how they've always gone after the opposition's kickout. Hunger, you know, disrupted every, they've, they've got so many scores. They're probably one of the best teams in the country. Kerry's doing that press now, the 4-4-4. Tyrone are at it, you know, goalkeepers are coming out. Everyone is copying. Dublin were the innovators. They were the ones who brought this in initially, the 44 call. The only Buckley uh, spotted it years ago where they called 44. That was their three banks of four and they penned in. And Niall Morgan said to me last year on, on, a, on a Zoom, he says, Stevie, until you're the goalkeeper and you're faced with those three waves of blue lines, he says, who are all physically strong, physically athletic, closing off all goalkeeping options. He says, it's, it's hugely intimidating for a goalkeeper, you know, and it's, it's amazing that they didn't, they didn't get any joy. I think Mayo had something like 93% of their, re of their restarts were retained, you know, which, which is phenomenal. So it was just a very untypical Dublin-like performance. But as Tomas said, Joe, and he's rightly said, like, the signs were there, the bench, like you looked at Dublin's bench on, 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 on Sunday, on Saturday evening, and you were looking at that marquee man, you know, that Connolly type figure coming off the bench, and it just it just didn't seem to be there. It just didn't seem to be there. And there was one, Tomas, I don't know if you picked up on this, but there was one striking image for me that was totally bereft of the Jim Gavin era. Cormac Costello took a shot in the second half and it dropped short and he turned his back on the play. He literally turned his back on the play and started walking. And I just thought, wow, wow. Like I, I have never seen that, never seen that in that Dublin team because they were just relentless in, the, in their pursuit of excellence, their pursuit of, of, of those high standards at the set. And then they brought him back on as well. And an extra time, I gave him the rook highlight as well. Lahif was running off his shoulder. He could have slipped the ball. He took, a, he took a high risk shot on. He took a, a shot on that probably wasn't on deep, deep into the injury time of extra time. You just didn't see those things happening with Dublin before. Like, and, and funny, just to finish, Joe, a friend of mine was at the game on, on, on Saturday. And I know Tomas, you had media duty, so you mightn't have picked up on it. But in the warm up, he said to me, he actually couldn't believe four or five occasions balls were spilled, balls were dropped. You know, small, simplistic things that even at club level, you'd be demanding, like, what's going on here, boys? You know, we're not right. And he, he just said he couldn't believe it, you know. So maybe those standards have just dropped a little bit. You could call it hunger, tiredness. Mental fatigue, you could call it whatever, but you know, it's it's I think it's been good for football to be honest, because I think it needed it to us, you know. Mm. It was definite like it's well, football, geez, nobody I, I don't think again would have predicted that Mayo would have come true. But I think in terms for football and all this talk that Dublin were gonna churn out and churn out and churn out players. Um, I don't know. I have they the players definitely to replace the players that they've lost. So therefore, they still have fierce quality in that team, uh, like, and they're not going to fall off a cliff or they're not going to be going anywhere. But definitely, the same fear factor isn't there. Definitely, uh, I think teams will will look at what happened this year as a whole, and this, that fear factor that has been with the Dubs for so long, that confidence that no matter what's happening in the game, that they'll wear you down. Um, like Mayo went seven down at one stage, and. Dublin hit two in a row. Um, or the, sorry, Mayo brought it back to five. And then Dublin went hit two more. And you're saying, Jesus, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna keep on top of this. 
like 61 minutes or 60, 60 minutes gone, over 60 minutes gone, they're still five points down in, in any game that there's no goals. And you're saying, geez, where are they going to get it from? Like Henley's two points, three points, one in the first half and two in the second were absolutely massive. Like I watched the game again and like I did a piece on the, on the goalies beforehand and the top, top teams now, I don't know, do they, do they, do they fear the blanket or the, the, the actual squeeze as much because they work so much on it, they either overload or they have so much movement or they don't, they're not afraid of going short, they're not afraid of finding pockets. They'll, like that was an exhibition by Henley and he's had his ghosts in, in a lot of places, but he, he redeemed himself completely on, on Sunday, but they had heroes everywhere in that second half and extra time. They, they 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 just ran at Dublin. They were they were unpredictable. This madness. Uh, their subs were outstanding. Hessian, his running ability. Uh, Cohen's point. Uh, Ryan O'Donnell who hit one from far out, and it was these were points that you'd never associate with Mayo. But like you said, Stevie, like the Dubs would never be trying those kind of kicks. Like uh, Tommy Conroy breezed past Philly McMahon and nailed a point. The subs at Dubs. The Dubs. Brought in like and there was a lot of talk after the last game uh, about the bench that they had and um, no they didn't they I suppose the biggest thing for me for a Dubs fan they couldn't turn the tide once it started once Mayo even when they were still only two points back and you're seeing James McCarthy who's the epitome of Dublin at the last he got turned over twice for two scores and they were huge like and when you see those fellas they were just ravenous. I, like you compare Mayo to the first half to the second half, there was no comparison. Um, so yeah, it 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 makes it interesting. Like it it it'll it'll stop the talk of of this dominance that Dublin will have. Like Dom, Dublin will always have teams coming through. They'll always have the numbers. They'll always have the population. So therefore, if they're well organized, they'll turn out players. But the argument is there now where that where that group where was there six or seven of them one offs that yeah, I don't care how many you're turning out, it'd be very hard to turn out uh turn out another Bernard Brogan or a Dear McConnelly or you know, they they missed Jesus, did they miss, miss Jack McCaffrey yesterday when that back line or when that forward line was was struggling? Mannion, they missed them like. Um so yeah, they aren't Dublin that they were. We all knew that, but I've put my hand up and say I still thought that they would have enough to clear what was left in Ireland this year you know if they were on the money and they looked you know Stevie said rightly said like they weren't they didn't look like it against Wexford or Meath or Kildare but in that first half they looked fuck that hunger was there uh, I suppose the one thing you could say in that first half is they were still the forward line weren't going 100% but they were chugging on the scores and I thought, I thought like 10-3, ten, ten if they went in 10-3, that last minute point, well, all the points were vital, but no, it's an end of an year and, and brilliant champions as they were. It was actually, it was some atmosphere inside there, even though there was only 24,000, it seemed like a lot more and have to hats off to, to, to Mayo. It was an utter battle, like it was war, it was desperate. The dubs were very indisciplined, very indisciplined. Uh, Mayo were flying in, like there was no holds barred. Like there was, it was, it was the ref lost control of that game for a good while. He blew up two minutes, two minutes early as well when Aidan O'Shea came on the pitch, uh, avoiding what could have been trouble. It was two minutes there. Mayo could have won that game in normal time. Um, so it it had everything. Jesus Christ, it had it, that match had everything. 
And Dublin's uh, Dublin's lack of discipline, you just mentioned there, Tomas. I think they got three black cards. James McCarthy also lucky to stay on the field. Some of those black cards could have been red cards. And then, you know, just moving on to John Small's shoulder, or so-called shoulder, on Owen McLaughlin. We now know that Owen has suffered a double fracture. He's undergone an operation. What were your thoughts on that shoulder now that you've had the benefit of hindsight? Ah, yeah, well, I think we all agree on the benefit of hindsight um, that it was high and the shoulder connected with the jaw and you'd hope that Omar Glocklin will be okay after it and that he, he'll, he'll make a full recovery. Uh, he'll obviously miss an All-Ireland final and he's a big loss to, to Mayo. I think his pace and all that and his physicality and his work rate and everything, he's part of that setup. But in real time, lads, I, I'll, I'll be honest about it. Um, in real time, I was above in the corner of the Hogan and the Hill 16, looking at it. So in my line of sight was McLaughlin and I saw Small coming to him. Now I watched it umpteen times after. Small was lining up McLaughlin. He wasn't looking at the ball at all. Now, to be fair, if you're lining up a fella, you're not really going to look at the ball. You're going to look at, at the man and you're going to try to time it. Now I've seen so many shoulders. I've seen Galvin rushing at, sprinting at fellas and timing and getting it right. Um, I spoke about even two weeks ago in an article that John Small was the type of player that maybe Kerry Lack, that physicality, that guy who do the crazy, not the crazy things, but living on the edge constantly, living on the edge. Um, and he went, I've no doubt he didn't go to hurt him or he didn't go to injure him, but he mistimed it and bang, it was a red card. It was a red card completely. But in real time, I thought, straight away, I thought, uh, yeah. That was a good hit. And I looked to my left, I looked to my right, and everybody in that box said the same thing. That looked all right. Uh, now, obviously, it wasn't. And they don't show replays. I don't know what it is. They don't. So you're getting no replays or no slow down. Or, no, it's, it's great in hindsight to have all these pictures and you had pictures of elbows going up and you had some of the stuff that came out after. Yeah. was, was ridiculous. Yeah, like, I think the big mistake, and it's, I think it's universally agreed upon, is the way he fell. Horn, I think, was angry because of the way McLaughlin fell. It was obvious that he didn't put out a hand. He just collapsed. And then that is trouble. And to be fair, normally referees straight away blow it and they haul back the, the play. Um, I'll be honest with you, it was a goal chance and I was following the ball. I didn't even look at the way he fell. I thought it was a good hit. And to be fair as well, and you often see fellas going down and getting back up after a couple of minutes and they're shaking their head or whatever. Like, so I think the big telltale saying was, if you know a fella's knocked out, he falls a certain way. I didn't actually see him fall. I saw the hit and I followed the ball after it. Um, but yeah, it is. it was a red card. It was, it was dangerous. I think they'll probably look at it in a certain way. Like I remember, I remember um, uh, Tyrone in Dublin and Paddy Andrews and Morgan coming out. It was very similar. I don't think Morgan went to nail Paddy Andrews that time. And he just he, he just caught him that, that half a millisecond. And mm -hmm. people say, like, it's not as if John Small jumped to go higher. It's not as if McLaughlin ducked. It's just that the timing, timing was flash, whatever way his head turned back into it. Um, obviously, if you hit a fella in the head with your shoulder, it's, it's a red card, and that's it. But I didn't see him making the connection into the head at the time. Um, and, you know, you'd hope, you'd hope McLaughlin as well, but it was a huge, 
geez, like the amount, and then the referee maybe turned the other way and he gave a couple of decisions uh, for Mayo against Dublin. Like Comerford was called for overcarrying. It was no more an overcarry. And uh, geez, it was crazy. There was like, it was Bedlam. I think he, he, he lost the run of the game. Like, and there was a lot of stuff. There's a lot of needle between these two sides. There was a lot of respect after the game, obviously, and hats off to both teams. But um, geez, like you see the likes of Keegan relished that stuff, relished it. But, you know, you, you look at some fellas and they love, the more physical it is, bring it on. O'Hora, Keegan, mm. Durkin. Durkin was outstanding. Like, Ruan was outstanding when it, when it was in the firing. The, like, I suppose when you didn't have Dublin's forwards, the marquee fellas, number one, the support guys, number two, and your bench, number three, not making an impact. You know, and, and coming up to nearly 70 minutes or whatever it was, 76 minutes, I think it was 75 and those 77 to be played. At 75 minutes, they were still one up. And geez, they went along the end line where that they lost the ball for the 50. That was total on Dublin Mike as well. Messing yeah. around with it and carrying it along the end line. Um, geez, it was like they, they panicked in situations, they kicked ball away. Kilkenny took a free. And geez, he piped it up in the air and it was just a 50 50 ball. And you're saying, geez, that was an awful ball. Like they were doing it all over the pitch. The amount of, see, we mentioned the turnovers from tackling from Mayo, from interceptions, mm. from just unforced errors. It was terrible. Like, and, and another, like, one point, I, I suppose, Horan, he was gutsy enough taking off Aidan O'Shea because Aidan O'Shea is a talisman. And I, 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 when he, even when he made the call, I said, geez, that's a, a strange enough one because I felt Mayo didn't utilise him. In, like, people were saying that he was terrible and all that. And grand, he wasn't on the ball and he missed a, he missed a, a mark that didn't help him either. But geez, I, at the start of the first half and the start of the second half, I was saying, well, what's he doing in there? Like, kick it into him. Or else bring him out because they weren't kicking it into him at all, at all, in any way. I saw him make three or four runs. It wasn't even putting bouncing in front of him, but they weren't freaking putting it at an angle in at height uh, like they did against Galway, where he can cause trouble. Um, and if you had all their six hours engaged, there was space in front of him. And I, I couldn't understand it. But then he brought him on at the end again. And I guarantee you, Horn is a good manager. He will look at Aidan O'Shea and say, right, everybody won't be looking at Aidan O'Shea and we'll find a place for him to have an impact in this final. And um, hats off to Horn. I think he's he's the best manager in the country. I, I just, the way he's regenerated the team, the way he, he doesn't panic, he never moaning, you know, his last key players doesn't change anything for them. The plan stays the same. Jeez, like, I'd love to know what was said at halftime. Obviously, it just had to be stick to the plan, stick to the stick to the routine, turn up the heat levels. Like, because they changed that, I, I was reading, they changed the, the sweeper after the first water break. So they had a man back at the start and then they put him out and they pushed up. But it wasn't, they didn't get the grips until until after halftime, so... Jeez, it was, it was unbelievable. Like, it was an absolute, one of the most mm, biggest matches I've ever, the intensity was there in that second half. It was all a war. And between the ref and between the players and between what was going on on the sideline, it was phenomenal. Like, it was it was unbelievable win for, for Mayo. And I suppose the old break suits them as well. Break for, for, you know, whatever happens between Tyrone and Kerry, that break will actually suit them as well. 
because uh, they will take a week to get over that before they actually settle into getting the bodies right again and upping it. Their S and C have done some job because just on an upward curve, like they are hitting it right at the right time. Like I, I said that Joe actually uh, to a friend of mine actually at the weekend. I says like Ryan O'Donoghue, Tomas, and Tommy Conroy, Oshin Mullen, who didn't play on Saturday. The physical, the body composition of those guys in one year has changed so much. You know, like like O'Donoghue and Conroy were, were small, they were whippet-like figures. This year, they just look like man mountains, every one of them. And Tomas hit the nail on the head. And this is something that I've thought of, Joe, particularly at the highest level. The teams at the very, very top, the very, very top, their physical condition is on a different level. It's on a different level. And to be fair to Dublin, who were probably the greatest team we've ever seen, the six in a row, you know, and probably never be surpassed again. But you look at them, they nearly set that benchmark of physicality, of conditioning, Tomas, you know, of the training that they did, you know, the, the, the fine specimen of athletes. And I know it was a couple of tongue-in-cheek articles about James McCarthy could have run in the Olympics or something like that. But I actually said that a number of months ago. They, they actually strike me that if they weren't footballers, there were lads who probably would have been very successful athletes, like even their body composition, their body shape, nearly like that sort of 800 meter type runner, you know, not too big, you know, but beautifully athletic, you know, and, 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 and tons of freaking energy, tons of energy. But it's interesting, going back to the Connor Lane thing, Paul Flume was fourth official, Joe, uh, down man on, on Saturday night. I was going down the road to Dublin on Sunday and I just gave him a ring to see what he felt of the game and stuff. And he did say to me, Stevie, like great experience, serious intensity. He says, but he says like, you're dealing with so much, you know, and, and refereeing's a hard job. It is a hard job. And I know Lane's come in for, for a little bit of stick and a little bit of criticism, but as he said to me in real time, like these incidents, you don't have that replay. You don't have that sort of like second chance to, to, to go back and look at things. There's no VAR and things like that. So like it, it's, it's a high pressure environment. Tomas, you said the atmosphere, even in the stadium and the intensity of it, then there's no love loss between those two sides either, Joe. And there would have been, you know, there's probably a lot of, undercurrent stuff there to mass that mental scars and physical scars from the years gone by and you know teased across and access to x but he just said to me look probably the biggest regret was probably the connor not blowing the whistle to stop the game because see if that goal had went in i think there would have been pandemonium to us i think there would have been mm-hmm. absolute pandemonium if dublin had to put the ball in the net because they had a clear goal chance after that hit a clear yeah. goal chance and i think it actually saved them that that ball did not go into the net because if it had went into the net it would have been crazy but i said to you joe before to ask him on the one small thing that just sort of that annoys me a little bit about refereeing, right? And I have huge respect for them because it's a tough, tough job. But the scrutiny that managers, coaches, and players are under, the scrutiny that they're under is mental. Every week they're held accountable, there's serious scrutiny, but there doesn't seem to be any level of scrutiny or accountability. And that's just something that maybe going forward, you know, should they have to come out maybe to mass at the end of games and maybe answer a question or two I don't know maybe that's the wrong path to go down I don't know but there just doesn't seem to be any any accountability at that level you know yeah for, for the for the referee you mean is it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I do think I think it would help so much because even though they went through it very well now last night in the Sunday game I still have question marks about the the 50 why it was retaken because I know uh, it was pointed out that there were 16 players on the field but it looked like there was Dublin players close to the ref and it looked as if he went specifically to one player. And I heard three different types of things now from that. Number one, Philly McMahon ran across. Number two, there's 16 players on the field. And number three, that something was said. And there is a rule this year that if you say something while the player is taking a free, it can be retaken. 
And that's what I heard as well. It was, I was in at the under-20 game in Crow Park. I heard it off a couple of fellas that um, one of the Dublin players had said something. And that's the kind of stuff, I think, Stevie, that you could get cleared up after the game and, and referees come out and maybe just explain it. But I suppose the other side of that then is the referees have to go to their job on a Monday morning and they could get serious, serious. Like, I know he had a very poor game and he'd be the first to put up his hand in that. Uh, those high-pressured games. And you have from, from semi-final, I've always said it, from the semi-final, not saying that he's not the top referee. In the, well, in my opinion, there, there is better referees in the country. But for the semi-finals and the finals, I don't care if you have only one or two fellas. Get the top guys doing the top games because they seem to be able to control them. You see it in the National Leagues, any fiery game, they'll always put a top referee down there to control it. Um, and it is something I think if you could just understand some of the decisions, I think it would be huge going forward. Um, even if you could hear if there was communication between the players and if you could just be mic'd up or some form of, of indication on what the decision made was, because some of them, some of them would baffle you. Like there was one, Davey Byrne, this whole cynical thing, lads, it cracks me up. Like I, I lost it nearly more at that. Like Davey Byrne saw his player. I think it was McLaughlin spit inside him and you know Mayo running at you and they, they create goals like that and the next thing he pulls him and I don't know I'm sick of saying that there's an easy get out of jail card with this yellow card instead of a black card we still three or four years into the black card don't know what type of a card is going to come out it should be defined clearly it should be easy to call it if a guy like you, the, I always said, the black cards are trying to ask a referee to get inside a head. I would say a five-year-old could tell that Davy Byrne was trying to be cynical there, pulling on McLaughlin back. He had a hold of his jersey. He was inside him. And yet there's no... That is why the black card was brought in. It was brought in to, to, to get rid of cynicism. So, look, every, every game we play, lads, I think you could have a full podcast on the tackle in the GA because it seems to be the issue where we still don't know. One ref will call it one way, another ref will call it another way and sometimes it's coached this way and it's coached differently that way and I was told lately by a referee, just shout, get the near hand in, get the near hand in, even if you have three hands in, just shout that <laughs> out, the referee would think you're doing the right thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's you know, it would add to you. Yeah. But, okay, uh, okay, lads, and Tomas, I know you have to head off the train there. I just want to, since you're here, I just want to ask you about your thoughts on the uh, Tyrone Kerry game. Obviously, it's been put back another week there to the 28th of August. Um, who, who do you think this whole saga will have an impact on most? Surely, surely Kerry are in the driving seat here. Jeez, uh, I don't know. I actually don't know what's going on above in Tyrone, so I don't know. Um, I know, look, it, it frustrates me, and I know there's a safety thing, and you'd hope that they're all okay. That'd be the first thing. I'd be happy, I'd be delighted, actually, that there is a semi-final going on. I think it would dilute the whole competition if Tyrone weren't involved in it, or if the semi-final wasn't fulfilled. Um, and I think... Kerry would obviously, coming out with that statement, want to play a semi-final as well. Because, lads, if you think about it, whoever comes out, yeah, it does push things back. And it's not ideal in terms of preparation for Tyrone or for Kerry. But whoever comes out of that semi-final, Mayo and now are waiting, will be waiting a month. Mm. Kerry or Tyrone coming out of a semi-final, two weeks, perfect. Relax for your first three or four days. Get two sessions in. And then relax before a final. Ideal. 
So whoever does come out of the semi-final will be in a good place to, to, to face Mayo, I feel. But it will be, it is difficult. This is the time that's difficult. And at least they now know when the game is to be there. And I presume the fact that Tyrone were looking for that extra week, that they will be able to fulfil the fixture with a good, strong team. It'll be interesting to see who starts and who doesn't start. I have a feeling they'll have a full team. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. You'd, you'd hope. Look, it, it's... I was, I was kind of asked, and I think it is fair enough. Like, you, Look, the COVID thing has been difficult in the whole country in so many ways, but I don't like the way... I'm a school teacher, and you can't ask how something came into a classroom. Like, How are we supposed to learn to, to stop it or to put a lid on it if we don't learn from people's mistakes? I know there's a, a, a privacy issue with that, and I'm not looking for names, I'm not looking for anything, but there's club championships coming on, and I hear it around Down Cork here, clubs that are in trouble. And what do they do? Like, We don't know what they do. The HSE shut the doors down, and nobody knows what's happening. Keep it hush-hush. We don't want it. Uh, scaremongering or whatever. I'd like to know what happened so that we could learn from it and push on. But look, it's dealt with and I, the, there's been enough talk about it too and I'm just glad that there is a semi-final and Tyrone and Kerry have a great history, an unbelievable history and there's respect on both sides. Very like the Dublin Mayo. They'd be hatred when they crossed the line and they would go at it hammer and tongs but off the field there is a huge healthy respect there and I think Kerry nodding the, the the cap and helping them out. I think it was a it was a it was a very clever um, move by by Tyrone um, and Fergal Logan to come out when they did and basically back the GA into the corner that they had to. But I think if you if you look at it, look from a, a GA point of view, it would look terrible after a poor enough year in terms of provincials if they did not have uh, a semi final with the four best teams in it. And if you had to walk away from that, there's a financial issue there as well. Um, the GA being in the trouble that they are. So I think it was always going to be played. Um, even though it said today in the paper that 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 uh, the GA had decided that they were going to pull it out, pull Tyrone out of the competition. I don't know, would I, would I believe it? I, I'd hate to see Tyrone thrown out of the competition, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I, I w- I, I'm glad it's going to be played. And... I think by the time it comes around, you're going to have the hurling final. We'll be talking about that. And then hopefully we'll have a clearer picture of how healthy the Tyrone uh, squad will be in. They have that extra little bit of time now. Will it have an effect on clubs? That's the other side of it. Uh, I think both counties have been checked and the, the provincials have been checked in terms of the clubs. So everything goes back. The club will suffer as a result, but they always, they're always the ones to suffer in, in these kind of situations anyway which is not right either, but that's the way it is. So I'm looking forward to a, the latest instalment of Kerry Tyrone, and um, hopefully I'll be up there watching it, and hopefully we'll have fireworks again, lads. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you, Joe, on that as well, and Tomas has made some brilliant points there before he goes. Like, everybody will, everybody's completely right in Tyrone off. You know, already, Tomas, all I'm hearing is, oh, Kerry will beat now in the final. And, and I'll tell you, Tomas will tell you himself, like, Two years ago, this Tyrone team absolutely destroyed Kerry in the first half in Crow Park in a semi-final. And the game turned on one moment in the second half. Kieran McGeary offloaded the ball over his shoulder and it was intercepted. And about 15 seconds later, it was put in the net and it turned the game, you know. So, like, Tyrone will not fear Kerry. They'll definitely not fear Kerry. They'll be well set up. They'll be well organised. But to Master he pointed out there too as well, there was, it was a political master stroke from uh, from Logan like to, for that statement to go out at the time because it literally just gave the GA absolutely no option you know but Joe before we go 
Uh, if I just say one thing as well, I think it's brilliant of Tomas on tonight because for me, he's one of the best pundits in the game at the present moment in time. Very honest, very fair and very straight. And that's that's what I really, really enjoy about his coverage on, on RTE. So fair play, Tomas. Thanks very much, bye. Thank you. Cheers, lads. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me.